Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. guys, so we're continuing in this series on the Sermon on the Mount that we're calling Living Upside Down. And if you were with us last time, you know that we focused on the beginning uh, in the section called the Beatitudes or the Blessings. This just masterful section uh, that is kind of functions like the preamble to Jesus's constitution. And we read the first half and focused on them last week, and we're going to focus on the second half this week, but I want to read them all just because they all uh, fit together uh, so well and they're such a unique and powerful whole. So I'm going to read Matthew 5, 1 through 12 for us and then we'll focus on verses 7 through 12. So let me read it for us. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, I want to focus on, you know, we're, we're going through this series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, they start with these Beatitudes, which are these blessings, and if you notice, if you look at the Beatitudes as a whole, they, the first and last Beatitude, uh, and the second half of them uh, says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And because it's the first and the last one that say that, it's this way of saying this is all about the kingdom of heaven. Like most broadly, this is about the kingdom. And if you were around last week, uh, last time we talked about how we live in a world that's upside down. Uh, It's been turned upside down by sin and evil and death. And yet in spite of that, the true king has now come uh, to make things right. Jesus has come and his kingdom looks upside down because our world is upside down. Uh, And so uh, any word from the outside uh, is going to seem upside down to us. And these Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount will seem upside down in many ways, uh, but it starts with these blessings. And what we talked about is that they're not a to-do list. Uh, They're more like a you are list. Uh, They're characteristics 
of what Christians are meant to be. And there's this logical order, too, where Christians are people that are becoming all of these things, but it starts with poor in spirit. Uh, in other words, giving up on yourself. And we talked about how uh, that moves to mourning and kind of saying, you know, I'm my own biggest problem. And then it goes into meekness, uh, this humble strength uh, that can focus on others. And then this hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then where we're going to pick up today is that uh, Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy uh, here in verse 7. And what I want us to see is that, uh, you know, mercy is compassion. And the first four Beatitudes, they can lead us to moral progress. But the fifth Beatitude, mercy, is kind of like the litmus test uh, for if it's working the right way. Uh, my family, you know, we have two kids. And so we're at a stage of life where I assemble a lot of things, lots of toys, things like dollhouses and you know, before that it was the crib and just all kinds of toys I'm assembling. And so I often have this experience where I'm assembling something and I uh, accidentally skip a step and I realize it and, and I'm just like, oh, shoot, you know. And then th there's this moment of inner conflict where I'm like, do I have to go back? Like, is there any way I can just continue without backtracking? But the further along you get in the process of assembling something, uh, the more you realize usually that like that step that you skipped was actually important and it's messing everything up now. Uh, and this is like that. Um, this is the test. Does your moral progress make you more severe or more merciful? Uh, can, you agree, can you get along with people that disagree with you? Uh, can you be sympathetic toward people that are struggling? And if you're, if you're more severe than you used to be, then that's the surest sign that you're not actually living the Christian life. Uh, a while ago, I saw this movie called Philomena. Really uh, great movie in a lot of ways. And uh, Philomena is the story of this guy who had been adopted and it's his search for his birth mother who is Philomena and it's also her story so it kind of goes back and forth between the 1950s and present day and uh, Philomena's story is that she got uh, pregnant as a teenager in Ireland and in that time what would happen to you is that you would just get shipped off to the convent and you would work at the convent and they would adopt out your child when it was born and you would just kind of be stuck there uh, because of the shame and all kinds of other things. And so uh, in this movie, there's a reporter who's helping this uh, guy track down his mother. And they're also uncovering the story of this convent and kind of how messed up some of the things going on there were. And at the end, when the, the reporter finally tracks down uh, the convent, and goes back to the convent and uh, encounters this old nun there named Sister Hildegard, and uh, he's just like letting her have it because of how messed up that whole situation was. And Hildegard says something uh, in response that's just uh, frightening. She, she says, let me tell you something. I have kept my vow of chastity my whole life. Self-denial and mortification of the flesh. That's what brings us closer to God. Those girls have nobody to blame but themselves and their own carnal incontinence. You see what's going on with Sister Hildegard? 
uh, she sees someone herself as someone not she, she doesn't see herself as someone who was shown mercy uh, but she sees herself as someone who worked her way up who became a good person on her own and the result of that is that she has no compassion to anyone who falls short of her standard uh, but if you see someone as someone in need, yourself as someone in need of mercy then compassion and mercy will just well up in your heart uh, you'll be quick to bear the burdens of others uh, john calvin uh, the great protestant reformer put it this way he said the merciful are those who are not only prepared to put up with their own troubles, but who also take on other people's troubles. You see what he's saying there? He's saying merciful people are people who get down in the mud with those that can't get out. And it can only come from having that kind of mercy shown to you. Uh, do you struggle with that? I really struggle with that. You know, for me, when I hear that, I'm just like, man, but I've got a lot of my own problems to deal with. Uh, you know, my life is overwhelming enough. And if that's you, uh, the solution isn't just like, go be more merciful. Uh, because remember, these beatitudes are not a to-do list. Uh, they're a you-are list. And Christians are people that go repeatedly back to step one, poor in spirit, right? What lies have I believed about my own worthiness, my own independence? Uh, why am I afraid to admit that I have a need for mercy too, and that I need a new heart. Uh, what is it that made me forget that this king welcomes failures and people that have given up on themselves, that he doesn't shame them? Uh, so we're always called to go back and back and back to step one, uh, to the first beatitude. And it says that the merciful will be shown mercy. Uh, and it's this way of saying you never grow out of your need for God's mercy. Uh, so that's the first beatitude that we're going to look at this time is uh, the merciful. Uh, but the next one is pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And what I want you to see is that where mercy is kind of this litmus test, purity in heart has to do with the bigger question of our motivations, our inner lives. Uh, pure, uh, think of a pure substance, right? It's unmixed. It's undivided. And when, you know, I think a lot of times we think of the um, emotions when we think of the heart. But uh, in ancient times, when you thought of the heart, you would think of what drives you. What are your motivations? Uh, why do you do what you do? And what you have to realize is that it's possible to have to do all kinds of good and nice things for all kinds of bad and selfish reasons. And that's just the surest path to destruction. Uh, a while back, I watched this ESPN documentary about O.J. Simpson. Uh, if you know that story, uh, you know, this was a trial uh, that was all over the news when I was growing up in, I think, middle school. And so I was interested in it. And O.J. Simpson, if you're not familiar, was this athlete, uh, but then he became kind of a TV and movie star. And everybody just loved this guy. And then in the mid-90s, uh, he was tried for the murder of his wife and another guy and it was just so shocking but the result of it was that he was acquitted but everyone pretty much knew that he was guilty and so it's this story that's just amazing and the documentary is so fascinating but one of the things that it uncovered is that first of all he was like everybody loved this guy in the 1970s and 80s and 
but then this documentary uncovers all these like stories about how calculating he could be and how conniving he could be and manipulative and how violent he was and and then it starts to it talks about his childhood and the things that may have driven him like the fact that uh he had a really shameful childhood his dad was gay in a time when that was just really not okay and uh, he had this insatiable need to prove that he mattered, uh, so much so that when they uh, investigated his house after he was arrested, what they found was that his gigantic mansion was just covered with pictures of himself on the walls. And you know, the result of that story, that equation, is that there's a man, he's unbelievably talented and charming and successful, while at the same time being this violent beast of a man who'd stop at nothing to secure people's attention, to get their admiration. And what I want us to see is that Jesus cares very little about how your life looks on the outside. Uh, Because he knows that your life and my life will end in disaster unless our hearts latch on to something that's true and solid uh, that we live for. And if you can't see that there's parts of you that are like O.J. Simpson, then this whole Beatitudes, this whole Sermon on the Mount, the whole Christian life won't make much sense to you. But the idea of purity in heart, uh, it tells us something about what sin is that we need to hear again and again. Sin is not, in, at its core, it's not necessary. It's, it's not doing the wrong thing so much as it is loving the wrong things and how when we love the wrong things uh, we begin to do the wrong things Uh, you know think about if your heart is set on fame and wealth uh, you might cheat and steal and control people and do whatever it takes to get fame and wealth and those are bad things but you might also be kind and nice and give and those would not be good things because what's driving you is your love for something that's false. Uh, Your love for something that won't give you life. Uh, You may be very far from the kingdom. Um, You know, anyone can be made to obey and do what's right in order to get things. Uh, But Christians obey God to get God. Uh, They obey because this king is just lovely in and of himself. So I want to ask you, what what motivates your life? How are the good things that you love too much inhibiting your ability to be free? And it says that the pure in heart will see God. Uh, Now, the only way to become pure in heart is to see what God's really like. And it's only when we see the beauty of the king and the kingdom that our motivations will begin to shift. And the result is that that picture of the king and the kingdom will come into clearer and clearer focus until that day when we get to see him face to face. So uh, that's the pure in heart. And the next is the peacemakers. Uh, Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. And what I want you to see is that peacemakers are people that bring people together uh, because we're all on a level playing field. Uh, There's this amazing work of literature called uh, The Gulag Archipelago by by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And it's this account of life in the Soviet gulags, just these horrible work camps where all kinds of awful things were going on. It's just this low point in human history. 
And uh, he documents this one, he, he says this, he says, if only it were all so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? Solzhenitsyn is right. Uh, and peacemakers are people that look around and because we know ourselves, even when we see other people's flaws, even when we see people's views that we don't like or don't agree with, uh, we say, because I know that I have deep flaws, I can reconcile with this person. Uh, tr and true peace is possible only because this king is also the prince of peace. And how does he go about making peace? Uh, the Bible tells us he makes peace by the blood of his cross. Uh, the cross is about solving the ultimate problem of human existence, which is that if God is, who, if God, is God, which means holy, which means pure, which means powerful, personal, amazing, and I am me, which means insecure, which means controlling, which means I really want to be my own God. Uh, how could God possibly dwell with man? How could God possibly dwell with me? And the answer that the cross gives is it can happen if the king gets cast out instead of me. And when you read the account of the cross and you read as, that as Jesus dies, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What you need to see happening is the king getting robbed of everything that's good and that's rightfully his so that we can have it, so that we can be brought in. He does it to give us a place. And it says that uh, we'll be called sons of God. Uh, what a beautiful thing that the kingdom is also a family. Uh, do you struggle to be merciful? Do you have other loves that drive you to bad places? Do you struggle to forgive and to reconcile and make peace? Uh, never forget the order of these beatitudes. As you realize your inner poverty and sinful motivations, look again and again at the cross, to the love that was poured out so that we could be brought in to the family. Uh, the beauty of life in God's kingdom is that it starts at the cross. We always go back to the cross. Uh, the final beatitude is, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And you know, we've been talking about how all the beatitudes are meant to be characteristics of God's people. And what that means is that persecution is meant to be something that all Christians experience, uh, not optional. And it's worth pointing out that it's talking about persecution for righteousness sake. A lot of times Christians act like jerks and, uh, you know, they get what they deserve. But this is not talking about that. This is talking about uh, persecution for righteousness sake. Uh, draws on the idea of the upside downness of this kingdom. Uh, if you're truly living upside down, if you're truly living in line with God's kingdom, then that will create all kinds of reactions. Many will find us stupid. Many will find us foolish or even offensive. 
but if no one ever challenges the way that you live, then it's one of the surest ways to know that maybe you're not living the kingdom life. Now, why would, ever, why would anyone ever sign up for that? You know, guaranteed persecution. Uh, why would anybody become a Christian today, for instance, uh, when Christians are looked down upon so often and thought of as foolish and made fun of? And what I want you to see is that it could only happen if you catch a glimpse of eternity. Uh, it, talk, it says they, sh- they will, uh, the kingdom of heaven will be theirs. They shall see the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is something that has broken into our world now with the incarnation of Christ. And we can experience something of its beauty and goodness now And it's wonderful, but Jesus also talks about a day when the kingdom will fully and finally come. And we get a glimpse of it at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 21. Look at what it says. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. In closing, I want to ask you, are you someone that needs your tears to be wiped away by the one who made you? Are you someone who desperately needs for death and pain to go away? And if you are, I want to tell you, the kingdom is real. It's here and it's coming in fullness. Uh, There is a place in it for all who are made to see its beauty. And if that's you, then Jesus is inviting you to join him in his kingdom, uh, putting the kingdom on display in our upside-down lives in this upside-down world. Uh, Lord, make it so. Amen.